Hi, and welcome back to MBEF's In the Know podcast. This is your host, Ellen Padnos, MBEF board member and mother to two kids in the district. One of the advantages of being on the MBEF board is that we have speakers from all over the district come in and present what they are working on. When Tanya Sanchez, the district's STEM TOSA, TOSA stands for Teacher on Special Assignment, came and presented to us, I knew we had to give her a bigger microphone to share the great work she's doing. Her work in supporting our science teachers, facilitating communication, enforcing NGSS, which is Next Generation Science Standards, and updating curriculums touches all students in our district. What I was most struck by in this conversation is that this is a fantastic example of the enrichment that MBEF provides to our students. MBEF funds the TOSA position, we fund Makerspace and the Science Labs. These three programs contribute to a lot of active learning, problem-solving, collaboration, and bring science out of the textbook and into everyday life. Please join us at the MBMS Family STEM Night on Thursday, March 2nd. Come with your kids and be ready to invent, create, and build. The night will have challenge rooms, interactive exhibits, cool gadgets, nitrogen ice cream, and an invention gallery. Mark your calendars and get ready for a fun night. This event is brought to the community by Chevron. If you haven't supported MBEF yet this year, please consider a donation as soon as possible. We are below fundraising efforts, and this will affect the 2023-24 school year. If your child is enjoying lower class sizes, zero period, science lab, makerspace, gym, library, access to counselors, our music program, or the new enhanced art classes at the high school, then your child is benefiting from MBEF. Please help us in achieving our goals so that we can best support our students. As you listen to the interview, the sound quality on my voice is a little choppy. Apologies for that, and I'll have it fixed for the next interview. Fortunately, Tanya does most of the talking and she comes through great. Thanks for taking the time to listen. I hope you enjoy my interview with Tanya Sanchez. I'm so excited to be sitting down with you, Tanya. Thank you so much for for taking the time to share the job of the TOSA. I know you're working really hard, but I think a lot of us don't know exactly what you're doing. So thank you. Well, thanks for inviting me and letting me share some ideas about what's going on and of course, of anything course. that you want to know. Of course. Before we get started, let's get all the acronyms the way because you are the STEM TOSA. So I think everyone knows what STEM is, but can you just review? (laughs) Of course. Um, So STEM is science, technology, engineering, mathematics, and we try to culminate all those different parts and disciplines within what we do for STEM-based engineering tasks. Okay, great. And TOSA? TOSA is a teacher on special assignment. So I'm out of the classroom, and my main job is to support teachers. Are TOSAs an MBUSD thing, or do TOSAs exist across the country, have existed for a long time? They're they're common across oh, okay. districts, and there's many TOSAs. We actually try to bridge, and actually, within LA County, there's some online sessions where we can pop in and Zoom and get support and ideas. And then within our region, there's a lot of different TOSAs with local districts, PV, Redondo, I know Weisburn has a TOSA for for science, Torrance as well. Please explain what you do as the STEM TOSA. 
So as a STEMtosa, my biggest role is the K through 12 program. And I'm looking at all the different parts, all the different teachers that are involved, looking at trying to keep things aligned and cohesive, offering support where it's needed. A lot of this year was getting instructional materials that teachers needed in order to do different activities or to start the year. But that's been a a huge part is really visiting programs, getting to understand what goes on at school sites, building relationships, and then figuring out how best to support to keep improving, evolving, adapting our program. And when you think about 6,000 kids in the district, and you're thinking about how every one of them is being prepared for the world and it's from a STEM perspective. Is that right? I think, I think so. I'm, I feel like our teachers are really invested in what the kids are going to be able to do and wanting them to be successful. So it makes my job easy because I just feel like a lot of it is collaborating, understanding, listening, figuring out problem solving, researching, and then just the support is huge. You have another person that you know, hey, can you look into this? Or I need something for next week. Is there a way that you can help me find that resource? So I feel like the teachers are really driving the engine forward. It's just giving suggestions, um, making it happen when they need a little bit more. So whatever that might be with instructional material or curriculum or just finding out answers to their questions. How do I do this? Or how do I do that? Or you know, what kind of enrichment do we have at each level? Um, it's, it's a lot, but I think I can compartmentalize it pretty well. I try to stick with the elementary team and then how does that bridge to that middle school team? And then that middle school team, how do we bridge that to the high school team? And then within those little groups, communicating with them, what do you need? How can I help you? How can I best support your kids? What do your students need that maybe you don't have time to do or that I could? you know, look into. Can you give our listeners an example of a way you've supported a teacher? One example that we can hold on to and understand. Getting things going with VEX Robotics and how do we bring that back and how do we support teacher, you know, teacher advisor positions so that that amount of work can be done and then the materials that are needed for students, we could provide. It's with VEX Robotics, it's really expensive. And all of the things that our, our old advisor had, had compiled or had, all the electronics were completely out of date. So that was going back and looking at MBEF to fund that enrichment program for after school and getting the high school teachers communication with them, with some of the high school robotics kids, some of the parents that have been involved to come over to the middle school and really help us start it up. Oh, so there's a VEX Robotics at the middle school? We just started that again this year. And they're actually, they're going to be competing, I think, in two weeks, about two weeks. Okay. So they've been building and coding, but really all those parts, it's daunting. It's like, where are, where's our stuff? I remember going yeah. through like a, I don't know, an old shipping container and it was like, things were shoved everywhere. <laughs> It's like, I think this is what we need. Um, finding space, getting support from obviously the principal and then going back into looking at the funding from MBEF. So there's a lot of components that as a teacher, it's like, I just, this is too much on my plate. Right. They almost needed a project manager to. Yes. Just to get an upstart. And right. now that 
Miss Cook, who is now coming back, and she did phenomenal. She had her teams. She had built a sixth, seventh, eighth grade team that was very consistent. I don't know how many years ago they competed, but um, as those kids grew year by year and stuck with it by eighth grade, they were they were winning competitions. They were doing really well. So she came back and agreed to do it this year. And obviously it's rebuilding, but all of those parts and shipping orders were delayed and, you know, requests (laughs) for things were being delayed. And it was, it was very slow. And I know that there was some frustration, but it came about like we got there. Right. So that's a great example of how you were, you, you and your role were able to support something really wonderful for our district, a robotics club. I mean, to have robotics club in the middle school and at the high school that are winning competitions is really, is really awesome. And it was great to see how the bridging again, like how do we help each other? So Mr. Braskin, Mr. Brennan sending students, letting me know like who the club officers are and within their robotics club, having those kids come after school and helping mentor and getting the kids up and going. So it's been good. And I feel you know, it's that give back. Hopefully, like when our students go up to the high school, if they stick with it, then they'll remember and like they'll come and they'll give back as well. So I'm it's sure it's neat will. to see that with the student population. And it's good for the students too. Absolutely. Like to learn from kids a couple of years older and, you know, to be in a leadership position to teach kids a couple of years younger. It just, everybody wins from. So. Yeah. The kids are learning so much from the high schoolers and the high schoolers, I feel like they definitely are feeling like they have that mentorship. That's so awesome. it's developing them a lot. That's great. I know our school board is really interested in ways and that's a great example of it. But I know Model UN, so they have the middle school program and the high schoolers are teaching that. So it's just a lot of cool thing in this community for kids who have the ability to reach out and take advantage of. Where do you sit in the organization? So we have the teachers, the principals. Where do you, where do you? So as a TOSA, we're still considered teachers. We're just on special assignment. I float from elementary sites to the middle school site, to the district office, to the high school. Our specific education services is under Irene. So she's, she's our go-to and we give input. A lot of it, I think really is that liaison position. So. We're taking back a lot of feedback that we hear at the sites, what's going well, what's a challenge. We present that at our team educational services meetings. We problem solve it. We try to figure out if, what do teachers need. Is that maybe professional development? Is it time for collaboration? Is it instructional material? Is it, like you said, coaching? So right now I've been really lucky. A lot of our teachers are very experienced in our sciences. And so... I usually will come in and observe and I will help, which is really fun. Um, I get to come into science lab and help or come into makerspace and help and see the kids and trying to do some promotion with taking photographs or a little video and, and helping promote what's going on. But they are a pretty well-oiled machine. So awesome. it's really neat to see. It's pretty much we are a support teacher or I guess you would call us like an instructional coach. Great. It must be great for Irene to have TOSAs who can make those observations on the teachers so that she can work to determine, like you said, need coaching here, need updated curriculum there. Um, hearing this from 
you know, dozens of teachers would be overwhelming. But when she has one voice that it's funneled through, I'm sure it really helps. I definitely feel like she's very receptive to the feedback. She's very open. She's a problem solver. She wants to figure out how do we do it better. And we're constantly having conversations. There's just so much to her position and job that having us go and and be, like you're saying, specific at a certain thing, whether it's STEM or whether it's math or whether it's literacy, it just it allows her to take what these ideas are, the board goals are you know, just our vision for our students and where they're going to be when they graduate. You touch so many different things. It must be fun because you always have something different to do, right? <laughs> Every day. It's, well, that's it's it's a blessing, I think, and a curse. Like when you're in a teaching role, it's a little bit more predictable. The TOSA role is definitely every day is very, very different. Yeah, um, I think so. But there's a lot of a lot of good challenges. And I do, I like working with the different groups because I do like seeing what's going on at this young age versus what's going on at this older age versus what are our middle kids doing and, and how does it all kind of mesh together? Yeah. So that's been kind of neat. And sharing that, I think our teachers have really been, you know, they gain insight when I'm talking about what's going on at middle school. So they're like, oh, we have a better, clearer picture of like what you need. And then when I'm looking at the middle school and I'm telling them, well, they've already done this. So, you know, like, where do you take it to the next level? So it's it's those conversations that sometimes we don't have the time for that. We call that vertical alignment or vertical art- articulation. We don't always have time to do that within groups of teachers from school site to school site. Right. But to have like a position where I can float and then have those more personal conversations. It's been really good. That's great. Yeah. Again, with the pathways, mm-hmm. you know, it's really seems like we're trying as that's best what we you're, can. Yeah. That's what you're being tempted of. It's pretty incredible to be able to in 6,000 students. So speaking of the future, we're at such an interesting place in society with chat GPT coming under <laughs> You know, a couple conversations about that. I mean, yeah, the AI. <laughs> all the AI, things are changing so fast. So fast. So, you know, whereas our parents knew to put us into the world to be a doctor, a lawyer, a teacher, you know, they had a handful of jobs. We don't know what to get our kids ready for. We have some ideas, but there's so much talk about STEM being so important. How do you see a strong foundation in STEM? benefiting our students once they're out in the real world? Well, I think the STEM really fosters curiosity. I I think it really is a huge, there's a huge impact of kids gain confidence. Um, They become more, they have initiative, they become motivated, a little bit more of a go-getter. A lot of the things that are framed when we're doing STEM challenges are here's the problem. And then within that problem, here's kind of all these, you know, rules and constraints and then how are you going to solve the problem and you only have this much time and so they get excited it's like a science escape room you know i'm in science i gotta get this done like am i gonna fail am i gonna get it done am i gonna you know succeed and they're building and they're collaborating with other students so they're they're developing like that social skill they have to be a listener sometimes and follow they have to have the skill to sometimes be the leader and take charge so with STEM, I just feel like it's access. It really is access. I don't need to know all these facts or have all these experiences from before. I can be in the moment. My teacher can present something that's in front of me. I can use whatever creative pathway to solve it. And there's no one right answer. 
It's just getting to that. How am I going to figure this out? So I just, I feel like that's what I hear more and more about what do we want in young people that are graduating? Like, do you have to go to college? I don't know. Google pays really well. And I'm hearing, you know, after high school, you can go to the, if you're able to make it and qualify and they take you, Google has their own training. And within a few years, you are then into computer science working for them, doing oh, very wow. well for That's yourself. That's interesting. I hadn't heard that. So there's yeah. a lot of different ways. Um, you know, I just, I feel like we, we have to be, like you said, as a parent, you, you kind of have to be ready. It's not as traditional as it used to be where kids really had to go to college for a certain career and, and then grad school to get that professional degree. I think now there's a lot more opportunity, but it's the, the go-getting initiative. I'm going to problem solve. I'm creative. I'm thinking outside the box and it's not just one path. It's how do you get there? Right. I love so. your first, the first word that you said was curiosity. And I had read an article on this years ago, and it was like, if you want to get your kid ready for the world, help them get curious because they'll probably have a new career every 10 years. So in order to yeah. succeed in a career, you have to have that curiosity. So, yeah. So it's those questions, right? They're yeah. constantly asking, which sometimes is hard as a parent <laughs> when they're asking 9 million questions. But that's a sign that they're they're thinking about it and they're just, yeah, they're interested. Yeah. So thank you. That was an incredible answer. What is your favorite part of this job? Um, having teachers express when they want to do collaboration or they want to have some sort of professional development and gathering materials and getting the preparation for it and kind of framing the day. Um, I love doing it. So it's when I know that teachers can walk away with something that they can use. So we've been able to do some things where we work on common lessons or common assessments. That's been really rewarding to know they're walking out with something that they can use. They can, you know, have that affect their students. But not only that, their whole grade level, they're able to then do something that's common and that they feel part of. They had a voice in putting that input into what they wanted it to look like. That's really so cool. It's been really fun. I yeah. Can and I'm getting better at it. I feel like it's tough because you're, you are trying to figure out what exactly do they need. I'm not exactly in the classroom this year. So I'm not experiencing. And I know the kids have really changed. And I think that's the hardest part is trying to gauge where are they at when they came back from COVID. There were certain things we did to try to accommodate and kind of bring them back in transition. And last year was a, you know, a better because they, a better year, I feel because they were a full year of school. But this year, where are they at? I don't know. Like yeah. that temperature gauge, you want to get in there and kind of feel around of to um, what works best for them and and what are they, what's what's going better and then what are still some of the challenges. Right. So that's when been you little... say the kids have changed, is that, do you say it mostly COVID-related things or do you see any other big changes with the kids? I It's COVID-related. And then I think there's things that we just have to expect. I mean, they're, they're more tech-heavy. And I think it, it really, I think teaching, you know, in the future, we are going to be using devices a lot, but then looking at how do you balance that in a way, sometimes I think there's a lot of passive learning when we're on devices. And so I think that's going to be a conversation soon yeah. where it's like, how much is enough? And then when do we, I know people don't like 
you know, going back to paper pencil, but there's something to be said for the just the regular thought process of putting your words and expressing it on paper um, and the activity that's going on in the brain. Whereas sometimes when I'm reading something online, I could read it three times and not know what I just read. But then if I had a book or a piece of paper that's in my hand that I'm feeling, there's just a difference of the way my brain's functioning. So I see that. Those are really hard questions. They are really hard because technology is great. It is. Right. The science teachers in middle school and high school use um, these animated simulations um, called gizmos, and they're wonderful. I just wonder, you know, if you had to go digital versus doing something hands-on, like where's the balance? Because there's a need for both. But I think it's like figuring out that balance, not going too far over in one extreme, not going too far over in the other extreme. But right. how do we try to keep it as a as a good, healthy balance? Yeah. Wow. Those are really hard questions. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I don't have the answer. I did not. <laughs> how long did you teach? Um, I think this is my 24th year. Wow. Well, <laughs> well, you've been teaching for 24 years. I started very okay, early like on. No. <laughs> I started when I was 21. I actually started right out of college um i taught high school for a total of eight years and then science I, science and then i came to our district and did k through five for about five years and started as one of the original science lab teachers oh, okay cool so i was at grandview and then one year i they the budget cuts were really steep and i went between grandview and pacific i had kind of a revolving job and then went back to grandview um, and I think the next year is when I then transferred into MBMS. I was at the middle school. So now I'm at the, oh. I was at the middle school up until last year. Oh, so how wonderful yeah. for working with all these teachers. They know you. Yeah. So I've been in the district awesome. about 15 years now. Okay. So wow. there's a lot of familiar faces. That's and really- Yeah, it is fun. It's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a great district. So you were a science lab teacher. Yes. What, can you explain to our parents, some of the big differences between Science Lab and Makerspace and how they help each other so complement each other? Yeah, our Science Lab is really great. We started the hands-on science program to really strengthen the science skills and to just support your classroom teachers with everything that they have to do with a general education platform of all the different subjects. Hands-on science is hard to prep. It's hard to break down. It's hard to clean. It's, like it's hard to... and stuff, right? Yeah. Okay. And you have to order things. You have to pick things up. There, there's a lot to hands-on science. And to make it weekly so that kids were really getting as much as they could, a lot of our um, school sites started opening up a science lab. So we were really hands-on science, extended activities. We partnered with your grade-level teachers. We collaborate so that if there's lessons going on, it's connecting back to what you're going to do in science. And that was a great partnership. Um, Makerspace, which is, I think in the last six years has been developed, was more of an inventive workshop, I guess is the best way that I could put it. But it's really a lot of these creative challenges, looking at the engineering process. They look at, um, it's really cute. A lot of them, they do a blueprint design of what they want to do before they actually can build. And then they start to create some sort of device or some sort of model or some sort of project that typically solves a problem. So for that, I feel like the art and the creativity really gives kids access to those 
higher level critical thinking skills, a um, lot of problem solving. Sometimes it partners into what they're doing in the classroom curriculum, but not always. And it, we've talked about this. It doesn't have to. Like the purpose of Makerspace, kids are so fired up coming in to create yeah. and an invent. So I think at least my perception is I would never want that to be diminished or, I don't know, put with rules or restrictions. It's such an open-ended way of kids just being expressive. And so when they do touch upon something that's going on, um, it's awesome that they can have a connection with the science lesson and the science lab teacher. However, I think it's so important. I know uh, Pocky did a, over at Grandview, they did a created, it was like a, a shoebox um, foosball. Oh yeah. Kind of device, but okay. it, but it was meant during the, the time that World Cup was going on. And so it was really cool. She had made an, an example or she had an example and it had different flags from different countries and just a really fun way of engaging kids. What's current? What's relative? Yeah. So a lot of times they'll look at maybe an upcoming cultural event or a holiday and they create around that. Um, it's, yeah, the collaboration of ideas, I feel like it's evolving. But again, I would never want those specialists to feel pressure of we have to conform into a certain area of content. I, I love going into their rooms and seeing just the diverse array of what's the challenge or what's the thing that we're working on or what's the idea that we want to bring to life. Right. That's been really fun. Was that you when you came to present at the MBEF board meeting? It brought all the cardboard yeah. okay. on the wagon. Okay. <laughs> I was with the wagon. Yes. This is awesome. I would like to tell this story because it was what was so interesting was the arc of my of my emotions. So you came in to present to MBEF a few months ago, and there were all these toilet paper rolls <laughs> and cardboard and glue and glue guns in the corner. <laughs> and before you started your presentation. You told us we had to make desk organizers. Yes. And we had that to get your challenge. Teams. And we were all like speaking to, to your point about passive learners. We're all just kind of there to learn from you. But it's kind of like awkward. You're, you're <laughs> but, really, yeah. And then by the end, we just had fun together. It, it almost was like a workout for your brain. Cause I think, did it have to be? I think you gave us specific things that it had to. Did it did their desk organizer had to like accommodate. little items to yeah. you that you wanted to try to compart for little compartments or things. But it was yeah. it was neat because a lot of the designs had some familiar aspects and parts that looked similar. And then I remember there was one team that it looked like a treehouse and it like opened up at the top of yeah. like a lid. Uh, yeah. It was really creative. It was super yeah. different than what other people had thought. And some people thought it goes in the drawer. Some people thought it goes on top of the desk. So that was really neat because we didn't say where exactly it had to be positioned. It was just to try to keep your desk tidy. So it was yeah. it, the interpretation. I wish every parent could have that experience because <laughs> it really helps you see how different the learning is when you're in makerspace or science lab and you're contributing to this problem solving. So thank you for making us do that. <laughs> you guys, it was fun. You guys had a, it was yeah, great. great. I just want to ask a couple more questions and you know anyone who's listening to this is obviously so interested in stem and how they can best support their children what can we do at home do you have ideas for what we can do at home to encourage 
uh, science, engineering? So this is a big request. Um, I don't think there's enough time in the day for us right now to start implementing coding. But I think any sort of implementation of little things you can do online. I know code.org has some things that are for different grade levels, but there's like little projects and there are some parents that that do have their kids go to coding class, but I know there's a lot of little online things that are either free or little intros. And then if they really like it, they can move on with it. But I think getting your kid just exposed to coding is great. I think that's a brilliant, just, brilliant suggestion. Yeah. Even if they're not going to be an engineer, if they're working, you know, they're, whatever, wherever they work someday, their company's going to need a website. Yeah. And just to have that even if it's very general understanding and not be intimidated by the language of code, that's a yeah. really, really it's, good idea. It's something that I think is like there, right? Like I feel the pressure on my shoulder of like, so where are we going to code? And I know for the STEM class at middle school, the the kids are getting into block coding. And then some, we've really kind of looked at, Python has been something suggested that's a little bit more universal, but you know, it could be anything. It could be just the block coding. And then if a kid really takes off, I know there's kids that know how to do Java or HTML and that's great too. Um, there's no right or wrong, but I just think like what you said, the exposure yeah. of what is coding? What does it mean? And just the processing that has to happen where you're thinking about and then the resiliency, right? That, that That's like the other part I think that I saw as a teacher and um, helping your kids build that grit of so you failed. Okay. What do you do now? Like it's, it's not a big deal, right? Like we move on. Like we can fail at a sport, meaning we might not win the game. We could fail. Like maybe we didn't do well on a assignment or a test. That's okay. Like that doesn't define you. Right. Right. Like what defines you is what you do about it. Right. So I think that is a huge ask is like the computer science aspect. And then also like just keep encouraging them that failure is part of us succeeding. We learn so much from failing. I feel like the district has done such a wonderful job with adopting that idea. I don't have it yet, or I can't do this yet. My younger daughter is always like, well, I just can't do it yet. You know, so whatever, because I know that was a big push for the district of teaching that growth mindset. Growth mindset. Thank you. Yeah. So, you know, I think that goes with what you're saying, supporting the resilience and everything. Thank you so much. And thank you for what you do for our district and our kids. And, you know, it's, I just feel like there's all these kind of people who the spotlight is not shined on. Um, and they're doing this incredible work for our children. You are one of them. So thank you so much. Well, thank you. It's been fun talking with you. And I just am excited to see where our STEM program goes. Yeah, I'm excited to watch too. Thank you. That was so much fun getting to sit down and talk with Tanya. STEM is so important for our kids, and I'm so happy that she is sitting in the middle of it and helping our kids get the best science education they can get. Don't forget to join us at the middle school on Thursday, March 2nd for a fun family STEM night. As always, thanks for listening.